All right. One, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conscious Effort Podcast. I am Tyler. I'm Ryan. I'm Tracy. I'm Justin. And today we have another special episode for you. Following up our last episode, we were going in behind the scenes of music. Today we're going to be talking all about Ryan and his life in music, the different things that he's done. And I'm sure there's going to be some strange and interesting stories along the way. Isn't that right, Ryan? Oh, yeah, I got lots. But before that, remember, you can find us at ConsciousEffortCreative.com. You can find us at Facebook.com forward slash ConsciousEffortCreative. You can find us on Instagram at ConsciousEffortCreative. And if you have something cool you want to send us, you can send it to ConsciousEffortCreative at gmail.com. Cool. Very cool. You can also just, like, if you find us in the street, just be like, hey, you know what? I like your podcast. But that's probably not Ryan Barber. Or I don't like your podcast. And if you do like our podcast and you follow us on iTunes, leave us a review. If you don't follow the podcast on iTunes, go to iTunes, hit the subscribe button, so that way you can get every single latest episode. And, and if listen. you don't like our podcast, you can suck it. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. I was going to say something along those lines. Probably a little bit nicer, because I'm nicer than Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, if you don't like the podcast, sorry, then you apparently don't have a sense of humor, because we're hilarious. So anyway, uh, about me. I'm going to start all the way back at the very beginning with you at Conscious Effort University. Yeah. All right. Why don't yeah. you tell everybody what Conscious Effort University is? So <clears throat> it was like uh, a house, basically, where you got taught how to be, one, a good person, and two, a good musician. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's a little bit hard to explain, but the idea was, you know, just kind of golden rule, and everybody was... All, allowed like people could walk in and out of that place and still to this day for the most part you know i remember the first time i showed up over at at jeff's house and i knocked on the door because i'd never been there before about how old were you at this time uh 16 yeah i was 16 and knocked on the door and the first thing that happened was my friend clint opening the door and making fun of me because i knocked and didn't just walk (laughs) in and so from then on, I just never knocked again, <laughs> you know, because, you know, peer pressure and all that, you know. But, I mean, it wasn't all music. It was mostly just, you know, the idea of one being kind of a good person and treating people with respect. and, and By just barging into their just, house? Just not, <laughs> by not knocking. <clears throat> just don't be a dick and let everybody play. That was kind of the thing, you know. Don't be a dick and let everybody play. And, of course, you had... Jeff, more or less the headmaster, you know, kind of keeping everything down. But we all knew where the line was. Like, you know, we could go out there and drink a beer or something, smoke cigarettes and stuff, and it wasn't a big deal because, you know, we knew we respected where the line was. You know, we knew that it was special that Jeff let us come out there and do these things, and so we took it seriously, you know. But, yeah, kind of the same thing. Like I said, it's like the same thing that we do out here. You know, don't be a dick. Come in and play music. Let everybody play, too. And, yeah, kind of interesting. And, you know, he had all kinds of cool gear, too. <laughs> let, us, let us use his, uh, his PA anytime we wanted. You know, play all of his vintage guitars. You know, uh, he has a Les Paul Custom 3 pickup, like an original one. That's Things, the one that's originally white. But it's aged so much over mm-hmm. the years. Now it kind of has that TV yellow. It's, sort yeah, of it's yellow. And uh, <clears throat> nitrocellulose lacquer does that. And man, it's a brick. It's a brick. Like you pick this thing up. Like there's no way I could play that thing through a whole show. It's just so heavy. A lot of those old less you could kill you. Yeah, tend to hover around about ten pounds <clears throat> each. You put it on a shelf and it falls on you. It'd kill you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like seriously, it's that heavy. Anyway. Uh, he has a nice SG too. So. so would you say this time period was kind of part of your formative years as far as musician and oh, yeah. maturing a little bit? Definitely. I mean, guitarist and musician? maybe a little bit before that. You know, I was already in bands and stuff. Uh, I wasn't real good. I was actually the keyboard player in the first band that I was in. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, that's my, <clears throat> my username, FITB. That's what that's from. Uh, the drummer, he always called me the fairy in the back. Oh. Yeah. F-I-T-B. Tracy's dying that's, over that's, here. That's, <laughs> that's breaking the don't be a dick rule. No, this was a different household. This is a different household. something to add to the uh, bio. Yeah, this is a different household. But F-I-T-B, 8-4, still use it. 
<laughs> you know, why not take ownership of it? You I know? guess, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, so then I switched to guitar and started playing in other bands, and then started playing at it at Jeff's place, and yeah, figured out pretty quickly that I wasn't going to become a rock star, you know, and decided, fuck it, I'll just become an audio engineer. I was always the nerdy one building weird little pedals and modifying stuff and working on guitars. Wait, wait, <clears throat> wait a minute. You're a nerd? Well, I would have never guessed. Nerd alert. Saying. How long have you been it? a nerd? <clears throat> Since Five minutes. Eight. <laughs> the age of eight, maybe. <laughs> Since he grew his first beard hair. <laughs> <laughs> that would be about 11. Have you always had 11? No, I had, yeah, I had facial hair at 11. Okay, it's cold I again. guess I'm not really surprised by <laughs> this that. This sounds like an urban legend. No, yeah. this is true. Uh, <laughs> to no. Bill Brasky! Uh, Pee Wee football, fourth grade. Yeah, I was called the mustache man by a, a little... The mustache must, man? Mustache man by the little jerk at Pee Wee football. Anyway. What'd so. you call him? Hmm. Probably nothing. Oh nice. man, that's good. Oh, <clears throat> I was. Nice. I thought you meant you called him nothing. No, like, because he's <laughs> fucking nothing. He followed the good rule. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't so, be a dick. So yeah, uh, I, I don't d- think it's being a dick if you be a dick to somebody who's already being a dick to you first. Oh, I, mean, I just didn't care. Two wrongs don't make it right. I just didn't care. Like they do. At at that don't. point, you know, I'm still kind of that way. Like, yeah, you can be really mad at me or something, or you can hate me for no reason. That's cool. I don't need your. Uh, approval. Three lefts make a right. <laughs> I was gonna That's say a Reliant that, K record. That's huh? the Reliant K record that they were working on at Dark Horse. Is we'll it? get we'll get to that. All right. <laughs> so, yes. So Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Justin skipping way ahead in the story. Even know I didn't it. even know I was doing that. <laughs> All right. Justin, how long have you been psychic? Uh just now. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just unlocked my powers. You have to be allergic to meat for like a few months and then oh I see this is like the Spider-Man thing you get mm. bitten uh-huh. and then you start getting superpowers mm-hmm. so you're just now becoming a superhero mm. yes this is his spidey sense is tingling mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to become an audio engineer or at least I thought I was going to you know uh, it's the only thing I could think of you know I was a terrible student in high school uh, it wasn't that I wasn't intelligent I just was bored <laughs> anyway so you you were you were a terrible student. Yeah, yeah. I I would I could ace every test, but I just wouldn't do any of the homework, uh, term paper. I, I took I took freshman English three times, just Ooh. because I didn't do the term like the little research paper. And, and now fi- you speak doggo. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. You know who I did the did my research paper on? Uh, Phil Brown. The so en- explain who Phil Brown is. Phil Brown is the engineer. Uh, it was whenever I first started getting tape op. Uh, when you s- signed on to Crass to get, you know, like start the process of getting uh, accepted, because there was a uh, an approval process, like interview and application and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they subscribe you to Tape Op and they started sending it to you. And the first uh, issue that I got was about Phil Brown. So for those of you that don't know, Tape Op is a magazine about uh, the recording industry. Uh, it covers different people within the industry, mm-hmm. engineers, producers. Oh, yeah, and it's free. That's what's crazy about it. Uh, they send them out bi-monthly, and, yeah, completely free to this day. Uh, and, there's really? not, and there's not a whole bunch of ads in it. There's, like, a, you know, there's, you know, uh, five or six pages in the back with a bunch of ads. But, yeah, it's a great magazine. i got a stack, all stack of them over there, you know. Uh, I even have a few at my house. Yeah. I think I think I actually subscribed for you. Yeah, I, think I was like, you dude, signed me up. For I was like, dude, magazine. you gotta you gotta get tape off. You gotta get tape off it. And I still read some of their archived ones online. Yeah, uh, it's great. I love that. But but yeah, that's that's how I finally passed freshman English. <laughs> uh, so decided to become an audio engineer and uh, applied to Crass. And like I said, it was a big process. You know, you had to have this big long application. You had to they they got you in a phone interview, like to to yeah they actually really? interviewed you on the phone. Real quick, what does CRAS stand for? Uh, the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences, mm. and that is located in in Tempe, Arizona. Well, Gilbert now their main campus is in Gilbert, Arizona. But, I see. But I went to the original campus. 
It was basically a converted doctor's office, like a doctor's office where they had like in a strip mall. Kinda, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they but they basically own the entire complex, you know. Right. So, you know, what would have been one doctor's office, they actually owned all of them. Hmm. You know, and they had like a little courtyard in the middle, but it was totally non totally nondescript outside. They didn't even have a sign out. I remember the first time I tried to find the place, uh, couldn't find it. Drove past it like five times before I finally figured out. Oh, there it is. You know, <laughs> and you had you used to have to cut a Yui coming in from the east or the west just to make it just to get into the parking lot. So this oh. this is about two thousand four. Okay, and you yeah. would have been about well, you've been nineteen twenty mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> there was a waiting list, so I actually had to stick around in Indiana for a year before I got to go out there. <laughs> I almost didn't go. Uh, kind of convinced myself that I wasn't until I started getting like the paperwork. Didn't even have loans figured out. Mm-hmm. Started getting paperwork from them. I was like, hey, you know. Now this is this is what you got to do to be ready for you know your classes and stuff. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do it because I was working at Walmart at the time. You know, hardly a career though. Some some people make it a career. You know, I wouldn't gone to so mm-hmm. so yeah. Within three months of my start date, I had secured a loan and planned everything out and drove out there by myself in a '71 Firebird. Dang. <laughs> Yeah, within three months, got out there and killed it. I was second in my class basically the whole time. Uh, the only one who was number one was Brian, whom Tyler has met before. Mm. So, but yeah, we were the dynamic duo. B, B Ryan and A Ryan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And we're still that way. You know, we still still talk from time to time, and you know, we actually ended up in Nashville together, interning together, <laughs> but. What no. what was it, what was it about him or his his technique that made him better than you? Oh, uh, it wasn't. He was just a better student than I was. No, he just had a better grade. That was all. Yeah. You know. Uh, and at the you know at that time anyway, he was probably a better engineer. You know. Uh, and, and in fact, well, he was just more studious about it. Yeah. You know, he he was. Uh, it's kind of like the difference between, I don't know. I I was more emotional about it, and he mm-hmm. was more uh, technical about it. Does that make sense? Left brain, right brain. Right. Yeah. And so that was part of the reason why he and I worked well together. Like we every project, you like, complimented one yes, another. Yeah, every project we would work together, and it's the same thing with me and Tyler. <clears throat> you know, it's a complimentary kind of deal. You mm-hmm. know, our fifth cycle project that we did, even though it was simple, it was voted the best one. They had two classes a day, morning and night. Mm-hmm. And uh, Arch was voted the best one. So, even though it was just a chick with a guitar. Hmm. But it was the best captured, best mixed, and so on. So, kudos to us. We got bonus points for that. That's radical. (laughs) Yeah, I still got it on a CD somewhere. Uh, Oh, it's trash. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask if it The music is really good. The music is really good. I remember her name was Ryan Smith, and I always remember that because I went to school with a, a guy named Ryan Smith, but her name was Ryan Smith. She was from Texas. Uh, she was dating another a fellow student of ours. Man. Was his name Brian? Because then you'd have Brian, Ryan, Ryan, and Brian. It sounds like this place was just overrun with people with Ryan in their name. Yeah, apparently, no. Uh, was that one this, of the This really is all about Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can't remember. It was, uh, man. Brian would be mad at me for forgetting his name. Anyway, regardless... So what you have to understand about this place, part again, part of the reason why you know Brian and I were so high in the class was that mm-hmm. we were always there. So uh, other people were just kind of. It was a twenty-four hour campus. Phoning it in. Yeah, it was a twenty-four hour campus, and so we were booking every room that we could, whether it was the digital room or the Neve room or the Neotech room or the SSL room. We were there probably four nights a week, mm-hmm. at least overnight. And then, like, still being there when we when class started at ten in the morning. Man, that's really strange because you don't 
even do that at, at all, all right now. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. you're never here. Yeah, yeah, right? You never, like, pseudo-live here. <laughs> you never sleep on the couch. Yeah, I right? never see your truck out there at, never, like, 11 never. a.m. I never have to pick day. up no. your alarm clock off the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's over there now. Mm-hmm. I moved it. But not Ryan's alarm clock. Yeah, not Ryan's alarm clock. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, that's a good alarm clock, bro. Uh, it saved me many times. And then Justin saved me the other day. Yeah, my <laughs> truck wouldn't start. And I was like, man, I already got one one ride from the boss today. I don't, I don't really want to do it again. And I was like, hey, man, if I don't get this started right now, can I borrow your truck? He's like, yeah, that's cool. Oh, is that how you got to work the other day? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. why my truck was here all day. I was like, hang yeah. on. Let me go get the most important thing out of my truck, and I grabbed my pack of cigarettes, and I left my <laughs> cell phone charger and my wallet. <laughs> Tossed in my keys. I was like, there you go, bro. And then I got off work like five hours early. So I was like, what am I going to do? My phone's going to die. I can't go get food. I'm just going to rot. <laughs> you borrowed one of my Yeah, chargers. I borrowed one of Tracy's chargers. There's, a, there's I, an iPhone charger here. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was probably in a box. Wait, but did you have your keys to get in? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I keep I keep my truck keys separate from all my other keys. Oh, okay, mm. I see. Yeah. Nope, made it there at uh, 6.59s when I clocked in, so it was just fine. But yeah, thank you, Justin. You're welcome. <laughs> Not Ryan. I, I, yeah. pulled up, I pulled up and I saw him standing over by his truck and I was like, he looks stranded. Yes, I was. I was. Would not start. And it probably it probably would have started if the battery was in better condition. Yeah, you know. So anyway, back to Arizona. So it was it was a huge campus. They had all kinds of gear, and uh, what they wanted essentially was just you to learn. Mm-hmm. Like there were certain things that you weren't allowed to do at certain times because they didn't want you to get too far ahead of yourself. Like mm-hmm. we weren't allowed to touch Pro Tools until halfway through the entire curriculum. Yeah. Uh, which so what, were you, what were you doing before then? Uh, just learning analog signal flow, like, and it was an immersive program. Like, they would, they started literally at the beginning, you know, mic to cable, cable mm-hmm. to to preamp, preamp to line amp, line amp to master fader, and so on and so forth. Here's how the diaphragm converts an electric uh, exactly. An oh yeah, exactly to an electric signal. Yeah, and exactly. And they even described a condenser, like how they work, mm-hmm. how it's it actually <laughs> it's actually a a quote capacitor mic right. so what the the circuit like to to generate a waveform it measures the capacitance between two diaphragms and that's how it generates two ultra lightweight diaphragms hmm. and then the circuit of the microphone converts that change in capacitance to uh, a sine wave or well or a, a waveform so yeah I didn't even know that. Yes. So, at your time at Crass, the people that are teaching these classes, what kind of background did they have? Oh, they were all professional engineers. Uh, more or less donating their time. I mean, uh, there was... I, I was going to ask... They were getting paid, but they weren't getting paid a what lot. What they should have. Yeah. They Probably not even their they, rate. What they could have been had they been working right. in the studio as a professional engineer. Oh, some of them, they still were. Uh, in fact... One of my, my digital instructor, he was actually working on crank anchors at the time. Really? Oh, yes. really? Yes. Oh, I remember yeah. that show. Yeah, what a was, terrible show. He was working on crank anchors. And the reason it, the reason they recorded it in Arizona is because Arizona is a one-party state for recording a phone call. And so <laughs> oh. almost all those phone calls were from people in Arizona, like two people in Arizona. So for those of you that don't know, Crank Anchors is a show on Comedy Central years ago and really the whole premise of the show, these people would make prank phone calls, and they were played out by puppets on screen, but they'd make prank phone calls to people who didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a, a recorded phone call with one party that was oblivious to what was happening, and then they would put these puppets to the phone call and play it out in a comedy sort of And space. it was hilarious. It was, and it was hilarious. There's the jerky boys with Muppets. Yeah, basically. it really was. It really was. And But like I said, he, these are all working guys. I mean, I think there was a couple that they, they may be in between something, mm-hmm. you know, like they didn't have a project going on. They so, this and, and so they And so they'd be me. there for a, little, for a little while, and then they leave. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they kind of had like a rolling cast of instructors, kind of. Uh, 
I remember the the first Pro Tools instructor that I had. Man, he was he was like a punk, like a real deal punk engineer. And so, like, had a mohawk and wore studded bracelets. Yes. Bracelets and oh shit. yeah, yeah. Just tatted up and just a really cool guy. He's the one who who taught me all those uh, little phrases for went for or, uh, Pro Tools hotkeys. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan has little sayings that like, he uses to remember what the various hotkeys are. For certain actions in Pro Tools, separate, like Control E, mnemonic devices. Yes, yeah, that was the word I was trying to think. Of, and man, think of. they—you need a mnemonic device to remember mnemonic devices. They stuck in your device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they. they it's hard to say that word two times in a row, device. but it worked. Let me tell you, like, I still remember a few of them. A yeah. few of them, not a bunch, but a few. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's been years ago. It's amazing. But so if these guys, if if uh, if if the staff wasn't being paid what you, it sounds like they weren't being paid what you think they were worth. Mm-hmm. Um, how did the how did the the like tuition rate on this compare to a place like Full Sail or something like that? It was a bit cheaper than maybe Full Sail is is between, at the time was a two year uh, okay a two year school, uh, so naturally. The tuition was about double. Mm-hmm. Uh, the master recording two class at, at the conservatory, however, was seven months. Hmm. Yeah, but it was an immersive seven months. Right. Uh, uh, full sale at the time was was accredited. They were an accredited school, mm-hmm. and so they had you know English classes and history right. and math and all that fun stuff. And uh, so, but I only wa- I I didn't want to do any of that stuff. I mean, I could have gone to Berkeley if I wanted to do that sort of thing, right. or VU or any place. But I wanted to just do audio, and I think that's part of the reason why they had that interview and application process is they were trying to weed out <coughs> the uh, the the people who just wanted to be around it versus the people that actually actually wanted to do it. Right. You know, like they didn't want to have just you know Joe Blow. Behind his father, you know his 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 uncle's mixing board, wanting to, to get better. Mm-hmm. They wanted people that were already creating, or people that were already super passionate about it. And again, there was a freaking phone interview about it. There was like an essay portion of the application and stuff. They and they asked some pretty interesting questions. I remember one was, "What is?" Uh, man, I can't remember the question. But they I remember, ask you. You just about, said I, I remember can't, the question. I can't remember the question, but I remember the answer. Didn't they ask you something about your? Like a favorite song of what, what yours was, and why? Let's let's do no, Jeopardy here. Give favorite, us the answer and we'll yeah, figure out the question. It was like a favorite recording and why. I think that's what it was. Okay. And I mean, I kind of lied. So not not favorite song, favorite recording, but favorite, favorite recording, recording of audio. And it's a trick question. Yeah. Think about it. It's a trick question. You know, someone someone else who who wasn't very mindful about what what the application was about may have said. Oh well, I really like uh, Beastie Boys because that one chorus and you know the guitar sounded really cool or something. Mm-hmm. But I said uh, "No Quarter" by Led Zeppelin because of the uh, the the bass synth that was on it. Mm. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and I remember it during the during the uh, phone interview. Uh, the uh, the lady interviewing me, she was like, "Man, I forgot that there was actually a bass synth on there," <laughs> and so I had to go back and listen to it, and I was like, "Wow, it's kind of deep in the mix." But you're right, mm-hmm. that was pretty cool, and and but yeah, like I said, it wasn't exactly. It, I pulled it out of my ass, like, but it was a valid response. You know, I did enjoy No Quarter. I mm-hmm. you know listen to it all the time. So So would you say the conservatory was almost kind of like a trade school for music in a way? Oh yeah. Yeah. And That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And uh it's hard to explain to people just how immersive it actually was and how how fast you learn things. I mean, I remember being a first cycle. They had 10 cycles. I remember being a first and second cycle student and looking up to these 10 cycle guys and watching mm-hmm. how what they were doing, what they were allowed to do, and what they were recording and all that stuff. And you're just like, whoa. I'm never going to be there. Right. And <laughs> then you and wake up one day and, and you got these first cycle guys looking up to you like, yes, whoa. Yes, dude. The, and it happened. Uh, we, we would, me and Brian would bust in on fifth cycle guys 
and fix their mix for them. <laughs> yeah, they'd be do- working on their fifth cycle project. We'd bust into the Studio A and then EQ everything for them and walk out. While they, they were would, while they were there, I mean, they were. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like they were there, and and after we were done, they'd just be like, "Whoa, yeah." You just pop in, and you're like, "Hey, go take a smoke break." No, they and they would let us. Like yeah. I said, that's that was the mindset. It's like because we were better than them or something. Well, even even that though, it was more respect, you know. Yeah, even that. And we weren't it's not in, like yeah, we weren't in cheating. Their, no, we it's a learning their, experience for them too. Yeah, we weren't in there shitting on them or something. Right. I was like, man, you ought to try this. Have they taught you this yet? No. Well, here, show. I'll show it to you. Mm-hmm. On that Neve, and they're like, "Wow." Wait, Thanks. does the Neve really go boop 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 when you tweak the knobs? Uh, it did have a computer hooked up to it, but no, <laughs> no, it would have been better if it did. Yeah, it actually had like a two eighty six digital recall system. Yeah, and uh, it actually did automation, like like EQ bypasses and stuff were all automated. It was a special. Really? It was a special made console. Huh. Yeah. Special made for the, for that school? No, or just all their all their gear all was, their gear was used. Okay, uh, and so fact, someone had that custom made and then yeah, sold it. Yeah, in fact, the SSL in in the A room mm-hmm. was actually used to mix Master of Puppets. No shit. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that it it was it was actually put into a uh, 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 record plant Sausalito for Bob Rock and. I actually tried tried to trace the lineage of that console one time. Nobody really has it clear. You mm-hmm. remember me being obsessed with that for like yes. a week. Yes, because you kept sending me messages about it. And yeah, I you had like provenance notes on the thing, right? Like well, there was there was, a, was there was a publication at the time where uh, they would tell like when a studio put in a new console or whatever, mm-hmm. and and so anyway, I traced it back through that through those publications and. But anyway, I think that uh, somebody that I knew know through my friend Brian uh, is actually actually Michael Wagner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually you know mixed a bunch of Metallica records, and I think different Mike Wagner, huh? <laughs> well, not, this not guy, Whitney's this, dad. This guy's this guy's German, so <laughs> his his name is like spelled Wagner. So it's like Michael Wagner. A, yeah, with a, with an A and an E and a Wagner. G and an ER. Anyway, uh, yeah. I, I was trying to figure out if, you know, if that was the console that they used on a previous uh, Metallica record. And I'm kind of certain that it is. Kind of certain. So that means that there was actually two Metallica. Not that I'm a huge Metallica fan. But, but still, that's a cool piece of history. Well, and I, and I already know, like, just while I was at the record plant, uh, Marvin Gaye tracked his last record on that console. Hmm. You know. And all kinds of people, all kinds of people worked on that one. Uh, the Dave Matthews Band, mm-hmm. they worked on that console, and yeah. So I mean, all that stuff. These things were three million dollars when they were new, and yeah. so it's not like not not everybody could afford a new console. And the school was trying to do it on the cheap, and so that's what they did. They actually bought it from Record Plant in Sausalito and had it shipped to Arizona and worked on it. Now, why were they getting rid of it? The uh, record plant just oh, upgrading. Or? It was a four thousand G plus, so it was just, and it wasn't very. It it was big. It was seventy two, mm-hmm. seventy two inputs. I think uh, it'd have to be to record Dave Matthews Band. Carter yeah. Buford uses like thirty on his own. Yeah, seventy two inputs, but that's thirty six channels, mm-hmm. actually. So, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, seventy two inputs, thirty six mm-hmm. line, thirty six mic. Yeah. So it wasn't really big. It was about as big as the Futon. Yeah, you know, so that's still a big. It's a big console, big you know? console, <laughs> and they had like uh, had the had they asked the the real deal SSL bus compressor had the, the ultimation had the old computer. Uh, this one was actually uh, the automation was actually easier to use than the Neve. Neve had flying faders, but uh, this this SSL didn't have the moving faders. Uh, yeah, uh, it had recall based on. And you could write automation with these analog faders. It had VCA reading, but they didn't have. They didn't actually move. Mm-hmm. The the knee VR actually had flying faders, which was cool as shit. <laughs> which was, you know, and they had the they had the D room, which actually had a Control Twenty Four in it, just like the one we've got. Hmm. Yeah, that was my first experience. We never actually actually learned to use that one very much. The uh, D room being digital. Yep, uh, it had five one surround 
uh, imagine studio monitors, five months around and a sub. Oh man. And a big screen. Did you ever watch TV on it? Uh, like I watched Spider Man. Nice. Insur like yeah. Did you watch the Tobey Maguire Spider Man? Yeah, the original. Yeah, this was like two thousand six. Yeah, right? No, three, four. Three, four. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we watched Spider Man in there, and he was actually well. I think we only watched like thirty five minutes of it before. Like, eh, I've seen this movie a million mm -hmm. times because I owned the DVD, so naturally I'd watch it a bunch. Yeah. You know, so I was like, well, that was fun while it lasted. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> What sucked, though, the D room and the A room actually shared a snake, so you couldn't actually be in there recording if an, if there was somebody in the A room mm. working. So explain what a snake is for those who don't. Uh, basically, aren't familiar with that sort of the the mic inputs, like the little wall mic inputs on the in, inside the proper, they shared a proper and a snake. And there was actually this panel that they had to open up and unplug the A room and plug in the D room. They actually had cameras in there, so you could like monitor the proper and they had you know uh slate foldbacks in the wall so that you could talk to them and so on so the the snake is just a bundle the, of cables a that, bundle of cables that, that are all wrapped that together. connects the the mic inputs to uh uh the various control rooms. so it looks like one big thick cable that splits out into a bunch of oh yeah ones. and this one was huge i mean it was it was probably oh 125 conductor we weren't allowed to touch it Probably a better name for a, a cable snake would be a Hydra. Mm-hmm. Whoever, whoever named those things was not using their uh, noggin. They had, it was huge EDAC connectors, which they're kind of fragile, so they... Maybe they, you just don't get it. We weren't allowed to touch it, because if one, one crappy uh, student plugs it in a quarter of an inch off, mm -hmm. uh, can ruin... The pins on yeah. every channel, and so we weren't allowed to touch it. So they had the little tiny gold, pins. itty bitty little teeth-looking things. Yeah, I mean, hell, if you like pressed on it with your thumb, you could ruin it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we weren't allowed to touch it. So from the conservatory, you said it's about a seventh-month mm -hmm. class. What happens once you finish that seven months, and where did you go from there? Uh, well, part of the curriculum before you actually got your little diploma or certificate or whatever they want to call it you actually had to go on an internship in a professional studio and now or not necessarily a studio could have been a live sound company could have been uh, could have even been like a movie studio yeah like or, TV or an ADR, ADR studio or something like that you could have gone anywhere uh, I chose Nashville one because it was a bit closer and my best friend Brian was gonna go there too <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they we had intern supervisors and you more or less picked where you wanted to go. You know, what studios, like what was your first choice of a studio, what was your second, your third, and so on. And uh, I chose Dark Horse. And did your did your uh, instructors, like, help you get into those intern internships? No, uh, the, stu the, the school actually had uh, enough of a reputation that yeah. they could pretty well call any place and say, hey, we got a student, he's getting ready to go, like he's getting ready to finish the classroom portion. Do you want to, you know, do you need an intern? And they would either say yes or no. Did you guys have portfolios at that time? Not really. Or anything for them nope. to review? So you no, got to didn't pick, have to. You got to pick up. Yeah. And the mic, please. So you got to pick anywhere? Like Pretty much. Off the top of your head, like you didn't have a list? I mean, I mean, I, at that time, it was actually kind of hard to find places. I mean, they had a list that you could look through and maybe some websites that you... That, most of the studios didn't really have websites. Or if they did, they were like junk. Uh, and you couldn't, Google was, Google, Google existed, but it was, you know, in its infancy. It was infancy. So finding an actual studio was actually kind of difficult. So yeah. most people ended up in the big name places. Honestly, some of the more successful interns that I knew of actually went to much smaller places than even me and Brian went. Uh, Brian ended up at Soundstage, and I ended up at Dark Horse in Franklin, Tennessee. And it wasn't the best experience at Dark Horse. You know, essentially, I never, I didn't get to touch anything short of zeroing a console or cleaning a patch bay or cleaning patch bay cables with fucking Brasso. It's easy to say that now because my later experience at Soundstage and later at Blue Desert was better. But I did learn a few things, you know. Uh... There were other interns there that had been there longer that I that I liked, and 
I enjoyed being around. And I, and I kept in touch with them for a few years. I mean, they're all gone now. One was Shane Farmer. Yeah, pretty sure it was Shane Farmer. And I think he works for PBS now. Hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he's actually a, a correspondent. So while you're at Dark Horse, um, are there any recording projects or albums or artists that rolled <clears throat> through there yeah. during your time interning? Yeah, a few. Uh, Michael W. Smith, he was in there a few times. Uh, actually met his head mixing engineer. Like He was actually a resident there, kind of. Uh, he owned, or well, he basically had a, uh, a really long lease on one of their digital rooms for mixing just Michael W. Smith. And, <laughs> I mean, this guy, he had a decent amount of money because he was actually getting points on a lot of these records, but he drove a shittier car than me. <laughs> you know, and it was funny. I was like, I'm like, I remember it was broken a down. Sh- a shittier car than your current vehicle? or the, Well, no, the, the one I had at the time. Oh. You know. Is it yeah. still that 71 Firebird? Oh, no, that thing blew up in Arizona. Oh. Yeah. And if it had been in Indiana, I probably could have fixed it. But Rip Firebird. Yeah, RIP. But, no, he just drove a really nasty Honda Accord. Nice. Uh, and it was just the ugliest gray. And I remember it was actually broke down for a couple of weeks. It was sitting there at the studio, like, the whole time. Just just <laughs> leaking oil on the, on the gravel. <laughs> like, it was funny. He was a nice guy, though. Uh, I actually... Was he just a tight ass or, or what? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> he was the only... Like, we... Uh, I had to make special coffee for him. Like, he, he, he liked Sumatra coffee. None of the other clients liked it because it was real strong. Mm-hmm. But every time he was in there, I had to make a pot of Sumatra coffee just for him. Mm. And uh, it was pretty rough. I did like coffee at the time, but it was kind of rough to get down because it was, whoa. Like... Slap you in the face. And he worked on uh, other people besides Michael W. Smith. Uh, uh, Montgomery Gentry. Before mm. they were a thing, he was actually working on their first record. Mm. Uh, actually talked on the phone with the guy, Troy Gentry, on the phone one time. Uh, he wanted to mix. It was kind of it's kind of a big deal. Like, you know, you're not really supposed to go in there when there's an active project. Not really supposed to mess with it. And uh, actually had to call Michael Modesto, the head engineer there, to get permission to go in there search through the hard drive and so I could send him a mix. So, uh, Troy actually died just a few years ago. I I think it might have been last year, maybe the year before. Died in a helicopter crash. Uh, Kind of a mind. mind He was very nice. And I remember he didn't really have, you know, for being in Nashville, uh, being a Nashville artist, he didn't have a real strong accent. I remember thinking that, talking to him on the phone. Was he from Nashville? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what his biography is necessarily, but I just remember thinking that, you know, not that I knew him necessarily, mm-hmm. but he's like, yeah, I'm uh, Troy Gentry. I'm like, uh-huh. From Montgomery Gentry. Oh, hello, sir. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was kind of the kind he of He didn't deal. play the, don't you know who I am card? No, no, no. He was, he, he was very extre- modest. Of him. He was extremely nice. Uh, and, you know, I had to put him on hold. I was like, I'm sorry. I like even if you say you like you are who you say you are. I can't really do what you're asking me until I get permission. So just hang on. It's like yeah, that's fine, man. That's fine, man. I appreciate that. So yeah, that was kind of cool. You mentioned earlier uh, Michael W. Smith and a gentleman that worked with him that used to frequently work in the D room. Yeah, in Dark Horse. Yeah, well, no, he it wasn't really the D room. They actually had a control twenty four in the basement that might have been considered considered the digital room, mm-hmm. but the room upstairs, I can't remember the name of it. I tried to look it up just a few minutes ago. Uh, he was basically in resident uh, in the room that was directly under the the studio owner's office, uh, and so he was mixing the Michael W. Smith record. Uh, worked with Jars of Clay, a bunch of other people. Michael Tomlin, huge uh, Christian contemporary guy. Um, won a Dove Award, but uh, but yeah, it, it was kind of the D room. It had a, a pro control in there, but it was just for mixing. And which is funny, they they were actually mixing in the box back in two thousand four, which is amazing to think about. Hmm. Uh, so go ahead. But that reminded me of a quick side story. So another album that was at least partially done at Dark Horse in recent years was 
science fiction by Brand New. Mm-hmm. And I had found a photo. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That album was partially recorded at Dark Horse. It's credited in the liner notes of that record. They were in the lounge. There was a photo of Jesse Lacey sitting in one of the rooms at Dark Horse, and he's sitting behind a desk. And I remember I found that photo, and I sent it to you to ask you if you recognized the room. And you said that you were fairly certain that that was the same room that this gentleman used to work in all the time. Uh, uh-huh. It was kind of a resident in that right. room. He drove this shitty car mm-hmm. all the time and always drank the really strong coffee. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I can't remember the name. Like it's, They call it the fishbowl now, but that was not the name at the time. I don't remember what they called it. I remember there was a sign above the door that had the name. Why do they call it the fishbowl? Uh, because it's a big glass room. Mm. Like big glass walls. Uh, it, it almost looked, I remember this photo now. I remember this conversation. It looked like that they, there was a partition. They actually had like a, a proper in there. Mm-hmm. And it looked like that they had actually knocked down that partition to make the room a bit bigger uh, based mm. on the photo that you had. And there was actual, it was like, looked like a, there was an actual console in there, right? Yeah, 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 you can tell he's sitting behind like a big desk. Console. Yeah, at that time it was just a pro control, which is just a control surface, like what we have here, right. but with no mic pre's. Like it didn't have any mic pre's, uh, and it was just for mixing. And that's that's what uh, that that gentleman was doing the whole time. Like he'd show up six days a week, just mix and drink really strong coffee and drive a shitty car. Man, that sounds like an awesome job. That's exactly what I was <laughs> you thinking. Know? If I could just come in every day, just sit and mix music, and yeah. just drink really strong coffee all day long, yeah, I'd be uh, okay. And he was a great guy, you know. And like I said, I know he was getting points on these records, so it wasn't like he wasn't driving the shitty car because he had to, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but, yeah, super nice guy. I mean, it just wasn't the best intern experience, you know. Like I said, they just really wouldn't let you do any hands-on stuff, Uh they would actually charge you to to use any unused, like utilize any unused rooms. Really? Yeah. I mean, oh, it was wow. it was cheap. You know, they wouldn't charge you much. Well, uh, Robin Crow, the owner, he mm-hmm. wasn't the guy really in charge. Uh, it was actually the studio manager who I will not name, but uh, the studio manager was kind of a dick. I mean, and the thing is, he wasn't really a musician. He wasn't someone who he never had to pay his dues. At all. He's just a numbers guy. Yeah, I I think he worked he, what did he say? He, like he he worked at some he was a store manager at some retail store and saw an ad in the paper or or, or heard about this job and he fell in. Wow. And it just took it, you know. Why and, wouldn't he? I mean, and, and, and this is crazy, like I remember this one time. Uh, when Michael Modesto and none, none of the other head interns were around and there was a session that needed to be, like, just run. And it was, like, for nobody. It was for nobody. Mm-hmm. And this studio manager, who had no audio experience at all, never did anything. Now, I hadn't done anything either, but I, at least I had an education. Or there was tons of people around me that had educations, too. Mm-hmm. He ran the session and ruined it. Uh. Michael Modesto actually came back from his trip like mm-hmm. he was visiting family in California, came back from his trip and watched. I watched him chew this guy's ass. Oh, I bet that felt nice. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet you were sitting yeah. there like <clears throat> goosenecking. Yeah, trying to trying to hear as much yeah. as you could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chewed this guy's ass because he insisted on running the session because he wouldn't let any of the interns touch it. These same guys, like some of these other interns, got credited as assistant engineers on that Michael W. Smith record. You know, but these are the guys that he wouldn't let them touch anything. He wanted to run the session. And I almost think it was like an ego thing. Yeah. You know, it was an ego thing. And yeah. About the only about the only redeemable quality I can say about this particular man is he really, really liked Homestar. Remember that Homestar Runner? Remember that Flash cartoon? It yes, was it was hilarious. I, I am familiar with Homestar Runner. Yeah, it was freaking hilarious. Uh, that's the only redeeming quality that I know about him. Freaking hilarious. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I got fired from Dark Horse. Oh, really? Yeah, I got fired from Dark Horse. Uh, Tell that story. This is a good one. Were you fired by the same guy who insisted on running the session, yeah. who had no business doing so? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Ooh. 
Well, uh, I mean, it was me and another guy that, that got fired at the same time. <laughs> Done. Uh, we had a brand new intern. Uh, he was actually a, a conservatory guy. Mm -hmm. uh, this is about eight months after I'd left <clears throat> the conservatory. And uh, so that he decided to put us together one day, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of showing him the ropes. It was his first week. He'd been there like two or three days. Anyway, so uh, we get tasked with tearing down a room, tearing down a, a room uh, wrapping the cables, putting up mics, and zeroing the console and all right. that fun stuff. Sharpening pencils, literally. That was one of the jobs. And uh, so I send the new intern guy to go out and wrap cables and put up mics. No big deal, right? Anybody can do that. And I was in there in the control room zeroing the console. Wait a second. Uh, I don't want to ruin your train of thought, but why why are they using number two pencils at this place in the early 2000s? Um, I don't know. They had two big old cups in every room, or every control room with pencils. Some people still use those. I don't know. There was a yeah, they're called job. losers. I, I can't answer that. Were these actually like the, the yellow... Pencils, they finally Ticonderogas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Insisted wow. on having those. Those pencils suck. I'm just saying. Yeah. <clears throat> whatever. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I have no Sorry. idea. Sorry. Go on. So For anyway, here's <clears throat> a mechanical pencil or a super dope Uniball. Right. Yeah. This episode of Conscious Effort is brought to you by Uniball Ton, tons pens. And tons of sharpies. Yeah, That's what I'm writing sharpies right everywhere. Now. When I write. Uh, board tape, sharpies, and board tape go together like peas and carrots. So anyway, uh, sent the new I'm guy. Allergic to peas. Yeah, sent the new guy in to, to wrap cables and put up mics and so on. And I'm in the control room zeroing the console, which is a thing because it had an old Trident in there, model ADB. When you say zeroing the console, you mean like setting all the putting all the settings back. All the knobs to zero. Yeah. You know, uh, EQs and whatnot, mm -hmm. uh, which was a task. I mean, hell, even this ADB, which only had, you know, 24 inputs. Still took you a good 25 minutes to zero everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm in there doing that, and all of a sudden the the manager busts through the control room door and says, you're fucking fired. And I'm like, what? You're fired. And I don't understand why. And so he, like, walks out, and I'm, like, following him, and he's he's heading straight to the, uh, to the proper. And the new guy had, like, taken... And I didn't even realize this. I, I, I didn't even look at the room, you know. But the engineer for that session had actually brought one of his own mics. Mm -hmm. And it was a big thing. It was literally that big. Uh, some kind of, it was CAD. It was made by CAD. Because you can't see, Ryan has his hands it's, spread it's a, apart. It's about the size of a volleyball. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't know. I assume it was for a drum overhead. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, the intern had set the mic on the ground while he was wrapping the cables and putting up the stands and we got both got fired right there not supposed to set the microphone on the ground no absolutely not so especially you got, not you got fired because this other guy did that because i was supposed to be watching him i guess i mean i wasn't a, I, I wasn't a uh, manager guy didn't like me much i didn't have too many redeeming qualities at that time either i wasn't i you know i had did the, you have the beard no well i had a goatee but not the beard. No. Oh. No. If you had the beard... I was not a very he good... He wouldn't have been able to fire you because he would have been intimidated by your I, I wasn't a very good intern either. Yeah. If he'd have seen you with the beard, he'd have just come in and been like, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Why'd this... you let that guy set that mic on the ground? So I anyway, almost fire you. Yeah, so anyway. And I wasn't actually finished with all my intern hours yet. You had to get so many hours to, to actually finish your, uh, your certificate from the... Mm -hmm. from the conservatory so I didn't have all my hours yet which was a real bummer and I remember the uh, the intern coordinator calling me up and it's like so what really happened I'm like well that's what happened like just blown away mm -hmm. she's like really what did you do like just tell me like it's okay we'll find you in it. That's, I said I didn't do anything I was in the control room, zeroing the fucking knobs. <laughs> I couldn't even see the guy, you know. She's like, okay, well, I'll try to find you someplace that just needs an intern for a couple weeks. I'm like, okay, great. And I'll make a mean cup of Sumatra. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. I can make some really fucking strong oh, coffee. Yeah. So, uh, 
so yeah, luckily, uh, my buddy Brian was still at Soundstage. Uh, he was kind of piecemealing his his internship out too, like just kind of dragging it a little bit, so that you know, bouncing from place to place. Or no, he, he, he was at the whole time. He, he was at Soundstage to complete the internship, and then he went and interned someplace else, and I followed him. But no, I ended up back at, ended up at Soundstage interning uh, to finish up my hours. Uh, and the cool thing was, uh, well. There was a, the the studio manager there. He don't. He was only there for about four or five weeks. Uh, he had a nickname. His name was Porn King. Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. That's not a nickname you want. And really. so, th- think about this. Like, I mean, he wasn't a bad guy. He was kind of an asshole, but he was a funny asshole. Mm. You know. So think about. Mm, I'm thinking about Porn King. Okay. You ever seen Boogie Nights? Long time ago, uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Boogie Nights. That's what this guy was like. Oh no! Wait, is that why they called him Porn King? But he wasn't gay or nothing. But he had that look, that dirty '70s guy's mm-hmm. guy look. Did he have a porn stash? I don't know. I don't know why he got the name. I don't know. But yeah, he kind of looked looked like Philip Seymour Hoffman from Boogie Nights, and just had this dirty '70s nasty guy look. And then whenever I find out that his nickname is Porn King. Oh well, that makes sense. Was that was that <laughs> his nickname to his face? Yes. Oh, oh really? Yes. yes. Porn Just King. because of what he looked like. What? Just because of the way he looked. What, Mike? Just because of the way he looked. No, there was a reason, I guess. Like, it, apparently, he was a porn fan. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. So I was gonna ask, and I'm sorry if you've already said his name because obviously I wasn't paying attention. I don't remember the whole story. I was gonna ask, was his name Peter and or Johnson? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, no, I don't remember. That'd been much more fitting. I do not remember the whole story. I, I, I was told it once, and that was many years ago, and I haven't really thought about that guy much since. Because, like I said, he was only there for a couple weeks. And I was, frankly, I was only there for a couple weeks. So you met the porn king. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he wasn't a total dick, you know. He was, he, but he was just like those one of those. But he funny, was still called the porn king, but he, he wasn't was a just, dick. He was just one of those funny assholes, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't yeah. take anything seriously <laughs> with a guy who's born. He was one of those funny assholes. Yeah, and he wasn't kinda a dick. Like, kind of like me. You know, one you of those. You can't be a dick and. So I think his role was as the porn king. If he wasn't a dick, but he was an asshole. Oh, fuck, I don't know. All he, right. He, so no, anyway. he, he was the guy in the corner watching, I guess. <laughs> so you were Fluffer. saying yeah. porn king. If he's Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Right. Right. So anyway, uh, so now I'm at Soundstage, and Soundstage was actually a much more capable studio. That better, better gear, better clientele, even. Uh, it was better off, manager. Yeah, just well, just off of Music Row. You know, it wasn't on Music Row, but it was mm-hmm. just off Music Row. Uh, and the cool thing was, is you, it was just like the conservatory. When the rooms weren't getting used, you could be in there working. And we actually did a couple projects with another friend of mine. Uh, and you had you had full access full to their access. gear locker. Full access, full access. Oh yeah. They actually had two locations at the time. One was the main room. They had the backstage, they had front stage, and they had master stage, which is actually a, a separate company. Uh, they had a mastering facility upstairs, and then they had the groove room. I've heard you mention yes. the groove room many oh, times. And Please. Groove, groove room and drive through. Uh, but drive through had like a it was a mixing suite with a little booth and groove room had an SSL E. That sounds really funny. Um yeah. when just in the context of Porn King. Yeah. Porn King and Groove Room. You had and to see drive through. You just had to you just had to see it. It actually was a kind of Groove Room was old. Like Did it had have old like tie dyed tapestries up yeah. and shit. Did it really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. It, it was, is exactly how I'm picturing it. Yeah, it really did. It really did. I mean, and... Do you think they made wait. actual porn music there? Probably. I like, mean, they may have. Lots of, like, copious amounts of wah pedal. It was, an old, it was an old studio. Like, it was worn. Whereas Soundstage was a bit new, mm-hmm. Groove Room was old. Like, it had this old feel... Uh, had an old SSL E, which is older than that Master of Puppets console. Here's uh, here's a more important. The automation question. wasn't hooked up. Hooked up. They didn't have the computer. Like the computer died years ago, <laughs> uh. so the automation didn't work. It was literally just a tracking studio, and 
yeah, holes in the wall a few places. And this this is more important to me than it having work. an SSLE. Did it have a lava lamp? Yep. Yes! Two of them. He yes! Of he said them. yes before you had even finished the I knew sentence. what you were going to say. You got lava out, and he was like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Two of them. Yep. Yes! <laughs> the the glass between the proper and the, the, and the control room. Boom, boom. Right there in the corner. Yes! <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the lounge was was trash. It was a hallway with a couch in it. You know, TV this fucking big. Oh, but, so that's pretty similar to yeah. That's yeah, it's our, like like looks like ours. Yeah, that's why it works, man. Hallway, <laughs> hallway lounge. We uh, need a couple lava lamps and some tie dye tapestries, <laughs> and we got a fucking. All right, room. all right, we got to sell this right now. This is the plan. Who's gonna be, who's gonna be the porn king? I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Porn Kings. The Porn Kingdom. <laughs> no. Uh, Groove Room was awesome. Does uh, that make me the porn queen? <laughs> and the porn prince over here. Yep. Dude, I have lots of wall pedals we can use for porn <laughs> Yes. Oh, man. That V that wall. Remember that? That old that King V wall. Oh, yes. I do. That thing that. had. It, it was immediate porn music. <laughs> That's why I had to get rid of it, because I'd, I'd like, you click it on, you just start giggling to yourself. <laughs> I would step on it and get a boner. <laughs> no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> no, it just had that 70s wah sound, because it was a 70s wah. Yeah, we're kind of giving away our alter ego there. We can't, mm-hmm. we can't what year specifically was it? Mm. <gasps> couldn't read the serial number. You don't know? Couldn't, couldn't read the serial number. That's why you got rid of it. It was probably like a 76 or 77. They only made them for like three years. Mm. Uh, it was supposed to be an. Mm. It was supposed to be an update of the V. The 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 V. What eight forty seven? Oh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Don't look at me. Yeah. It was supposed to be an update. It sucked. I really think the the true no, reason you got rid of it was because it it had a porn stash. Mm. It literally sucked. Like it sucked tone real bad. Mm. It you know? blew. No, it sucked. Tone tomato, sucked. tomato. Tone sucked. Anyway. So, oh, uh, back to Groove No room. one can see this, but I'm shrugging, like, super hard. Uh, so, back to He's Groove so room. hard. So, so hard now. <laughs> no, we did get bumped from the, the Groove Room a couple times. Uh, we actually had our friend... Uh, because they, they had a softcore film to score? <laughs> no, it was... No, it was actually because uh, the drive through had... The the drive route the drive through had uh, oh, a project going, I'm and sorry. so they didn't want us in there on the other side because you could actually see the other control room through the proper. So oh, they, they didn't want you to be able be, to be in there distracting. <laughs> they them. didn't want you to be able to see them not score a softcore ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had some. They cool... didn't want definitely not Ryan. What? What's that? <laughs> they didn't want definitely not Ryan to see. <laughs> yeah, right. No, uh, def- definitely not softcore porn. Definitely yeah. not Ryan didn't exist at that time. Uh, I was a much more low key person. I didn't really drink hardly, and I smoked cigarettes, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. I was kind of a boring person. You didn't have that on point beard, either. and I was a really shitty engineer and a really shitty intern. <laughs> yeah, you but couldn't even you watch your coffee. own intern. No, I could make coffee. I could make so did coffee. I- anybody want coffee? Coffee? I make us a coffee. Anybody want a pot? Coffee? Coffee. Anybody want a pot? <laughs> Making some coffee. Hey, you got some softcore porn. You want some pot? <laughs> no? Coffee? Got that some guy, Sumatra. That guy, that guy just had a birthday the other day. What'd you say? Sutra. NPR actually has like actually, comma? NPR some, actually said that. Got some Kama Sumatra. They were talking about the the, the, <laughs> the birthdays that day and they actually mentioned the coffee guy. He was This coffee will get a rise out of you. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. So the interesting thing is I did not actually get fired from Soundstage. Brian got fired from Soundstage. Oh, shit. Because you fucked up and he wasn't watching you? Nope. <laughs> oh. That would have been nice, though. How yeah. ironic would that have been? That would have been crazy. No, uh, for some reason, Brian actually got fired by the owner of the company, and we and he still doesn't know why. He just... Uh, he had a name. He, he was called... The, he had a nickname. He was called The Client. Because Who? he... Uh, Brian. Brian? Oh, Brian was called the client. Not Brian, the guy who owned Brian the was called the client. It was because he was always in the studios. 
always in the studios. And for some reason, the owner came down and was talking to uh, the studio manager. This is not Porn King. Porn King was gone. I can't remember the (laughs) other guy. Uh, And said, hey, so... uh, His name was Corn Ping. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So I guess the owner was like, so, uh, hey, uh, who's the client? Oh, uh, that's uh, Brian. Yeah, we don't need him around anymore. And that Mm. was it. For some reason, now suddenly it sounds like we've gone from porn to Italian mob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. like, yeah, we don't need him around anymore. Suddenly, Brian sounds like someone who knows a guy who could solve your problem. I guess so, yeah. Kind Client. Of and they're like, hey, we don't need him around anymore. But this actually happened. Make him disappear. But this actually you happened. You got a tune that needs mixed, or you got yeah. some folks that need nixed? Yeah, but that, but that actually happened like just before I left Nashville uh, for the first time. And... So you're like, you're fired? All right, I'm out. Well, so, what, yeah, Brian got fired, and then you left Nashville? Yeah. Well, I wasn't doing anything. And and I was out of money, really. Like, Well, I'm the porn been, king left. I, I, you know, I'm telling you, I broke up with my girlfriend, and, like, she was helping pay rent and stuff, and we broke up, and, uh, yeah, working part-time, trying to intern full-time just don't it don't add up oh man so this sounds yeah. like something we're gonna have to come back and revisit because we're gonna have to know what happened to ryan barber yeah yes yeah, there's some interesting stuff like we're, we're only about three years into my music career at this point yeah. <laughs> we, we gotta find uh, out what fucking spider bit you yeah yeah i was a different person back then yeah much different hmm Learned lots of lessons and forgotten a few of them. <laughs> Did you have the fro then? No, I didn't have nothing. I had short hair. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah. Short hair and no beard? Oh, my God. That's why you go got go fired so easy. I had a goatee. That's why they fired you so easy? No, my my personal description of me back then was probably what just unremarkable. Hmm. You know, that would be the, my personal description. I didn't have the persona that I have now. Are you saying that at that time, did you have? You this? were not Ryan Barber. I was not. Full circle. That's that's the end. Yeah. Of part one. That should probably be the 